Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy. I am pleased to bring to you the Parsha or Sidra of Va'etchanan for Oyu Shnai Mikra Echad Targum Project. And we begin with the first Aliyah. Va'etchanan el Adonai ba'etahi lemor Adonai Elohim atach ilota leharot tabdechad kod lecha v'et yadecha chazaka shemi el b'shamayim va'aretz asher yasech ma'asecha b'chi gvurotecha. The Sidra of Vedchanan begins in chapter 3, verse 23, Gimel, of the book of Devarim. Moshe is still giving his opening speech that in, in effect summarizes all of the pertinent events of the first 39 years in the desert. Now, since some of those events are reviewed and some of the events that took place during those 39, 40 years are not reviewed. The question is, what is Moshe's goal in this speech? And therefore, what did he find pertinent to relate? And that's probably an issue that you dealt with in the previous Sidra of, of Devarim. So I won't belabor it here. But in short, I think that the items that Moshe is relating have all to do or all have to do with Israel's inability to enter Israel right away, the reason for the 39-year delay, now that the second generation is about to go into Eretz Israel and fulfill the hopes that have been on hiatus for 39 or 40 years. The final historical item, however, is clear, is clear that which Moshe is now relating. Moshe is uh, talking about how he beseeched God to let him to go to Israel, even though God had told him straight out that he can't as a result of the events of May Mariva, that second inning of the rock incident that was related in Sidrat Chukat in this book of Bimidbar. Now, it's important to note that the verb va'et chanan, with a kamat under the vav at the beginning, is in the past tense. It's what's called a conversive vav. It means, I entreated God, or I asked for his favor, past tense. Moshe is relating a previous event um, to the people in his speech, something that he had requested sometime before that he's repeating now to the final generation right before they're about to go into, to the second generation right before they're about to go into Israel. This original request is actually not recorded in the Torah, but it's easy to imagine that uh, it probably took place when God told him in uh, Sidrat Pinchas of the book of Bimdibar to go up to Har Haravim and to see the land of Israel and be gathered to your nation, which is to die. Uh, and Moshe, after making sure that Israel would have a new leader, and God, after telling him that Yoshua was the new leader, so Moshe probably said, listen, God, um, you began, Atachilota, you began to show your servant, meaning me, Moshe, your greatness and your powerful arm, Ayad Chazakah, that who else is like God in the heavens and the earth who can do like your great actions? The words, Hachilota Leharot, you began to show me, in my opinion, refers to the Battle of Sichon and Og. Uh, and I believe that that's true because I think it explains how Moshe uh, thought that he could somehow uh, reverse God's edict and request again that God let him to go in. Now, those terminologies of Yad Chazakah and God are used during the battles against Sichon and Og, although they're used elsewhere in the Torah as well. But Remember that Sichon and Og are Emirate kings. They're kings, really, of Emirate nations. The Emirates were people to be conquered by the Israelites when they crossed over into the Jordan River. But the conquest of the Emirates actually began while they were still on the east bank of the Jordan, in what today is the nation of Jordan, and uh, I guess the very northern part of Saudi Arabia. Not really Jordan. Now, 
those lands that are on the east bank of the Jordan River will wind up belonging to greater Israel, even though Moshe will protest about it. He'll give the lands to Reuven God uh, with the sense that, and he, he does express the sense that they're not really Israel proper, but nonetheless, they're, they, they were conquered. It was the Amorite nations that were conquered there. And therefore, I think that what Moshe is thinking is, listen, the battles have already begun against the Amorites, even though we're on the wrong side of the Jordan River, and things are going well. So even though we had the hitting of the rockets, and God said, I can't go to Israel, and I can't be, uh, uh, because, because that will somehow uh, be negative for uh, the children of Israel, things have actually started going well. So listen, Moshe probably thinking, don't let, I don't want to go in to be the leader. Yoshua was the leader, but at least let me bask in the glory of making Aliyah and seeing the promised land. So that's why he says, with that ra at the end, it doesn't mean I will cross, but it means let me cross. Let me see the good land that is across the Jordan River, this beautiful mountain, meeting the Judean Samaria Mountains, the Galil, uh, and explicitly he mentions the Lebanon, the beautiful Lebanon range, which falls under, or at least part of which falls under the biblical borders of Israel. Uh, by the way, the the term Miel Bashamayim, I don't think it doesn't mean you know which other god is as strong as you because he's not accepting that there are any other gods other than God in heaven. It means there is no other god like the God in heaven. There is nothing like the God in heaven who can do all these wonderful things. In any event, God's response to Moshe, uh, to Moshe's desire to slip into the land of Israel. Uh, since God's glory has already been, uh, 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 the wars of conquest have already begun, God's response is not positive. The Lord became angry from the word Evra. And God became angry with me for your sake. And he refused me. And the Lord said, you're pushing it too far. Ravlach, do not continue to speak with me regarding this thing. The Greek translation, the Septuagint, translates Vayita Abar more gently. Not that God became angry, but God did not <clears throat> take my words into regard. And I, I think that the verb Vayita Abar sort of plays on Moshe's request, La'avor, to cross over, meaning God passed over my request, my request to pass over into the land of, cross over into the land of Israel. Now, there's much dispute on the word Lima'anchem, that God did it for you. Rashi says that this is a shot against the people of Israel, meaning not for your sake, but because of you, I got uh, punished and I can't go in. But I prefer the more natural sense of the word, meaning God is refu refused me for your sake. <clears throat> and I think that the sense here is, listen, I just wanted to go in as a tourist, Moshe is saying, and Yoshua was going to be the leader. But God said it just doesn't work that way because had Moshe gone in, Yoshua, Moshe was the big kahuna and, and Joshua was his second in command. So even though Joshua would be have been theoretically the leader and Moshe just sort of like, you know, uh, uh, a leader emeritus, it would have constantly been undermining Moshe's, uh, 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 Yoshua's leadership. The people would constantly have been asking Yoshua, well, did you check with Moshe? Maybe he agrees with us. You can't have that kind of undermining of leadership, which Moshe wouldn't do on purpose, but the very fact that there was nobody else like Moshe would have inherently led to that undermining, and it would have really, um, uh, it really would have undermined the ability to conquer the land of Israel. So, I think it means for the sake of the people of Israel, God's not being capricious, he's just saying, listen Moshe, I can't let you in the door, as sad as that is, because otherwise the conquest of Israel by Yoshua will fail.
This theory of mine, I think, is supported by the next text, where God tells Moshe specifically to reinforce and support Yoshua. Alei Rosha Pisgah v'sayinecha yama v'tzafona v'teimana v'mizracha Go up to the Pisgah, which is the name of the mountain, or perhaps it means the summit of the mountain, and lift your eyes towards the west, north, south, and east, and see with your own eyes, because you will not cross over to the Jordan River. Rather, command Joshua, meaning command him to take over and strengthen him and encourage him, because he will, perhaps the best way to translate it is he must go before this nation, meaning as their leader, both military and political, and he will cause them, or he must cause them, to inherit the land that you will see. Uh, by the way, of course, Moshe couldn't look east, north, west, and south, because since he's actually on the east bank of the Jordan River, looking east wouldn't help at all. That would face off into Iraq. So either it's just an expression which means taken all of Israel, or somehow we might imagine that Moshe has been transported spiritually and prophetically to the center of the land of Israel, perhaps standing on a mountain of Moriah where the temple would, would stand in the future, and God grants him a, a full uh, 360 panorama, even if it's only a virtual one. Vaneshev Bagai Mul Beipor, and then Moshe relates, we settle down in the valley opposite of Beipor. Even, even Ezra says that Beipor is mentioned here, <clears throat> since Moshe will now warn them against idol worship, which is the sin that nearly took, took, took the whole nation of Israel out at Baal Por with Bilam and Balak and the Midianite woman. <clears throat> and indeed, Baal Por will be mentioned in a few verses, but the plain sense stands as it is, I think, which is that this is simply the location that they were, you know, right across from Beipor, which is the final tachana, the final stop, before entering the promised land. So Moshe ends the first part of his speech where he relates 40 years, and in my opinion, the events that took place which directly affected the nation's ability or inability to get into Israel for 40 years. And now Israel, that is the second generation of Israelites, is finally ready to enter the promised land. So the next part of the speech prepares them for becoming a nation in the land God promised to their forefathers. Va'atai Yisrael, and now, O Israel, listen, meaning obey the statutes and laws that I, that is I, Moshe, am teaching you to do in order that you will live and that you will come, meaning successfully come into and conquer the land that the Lord the God of your, far, uh, of your forefathers, is giving to you. There are a few items to note here. The word la reshet means to inherit, but it also means to conquer, uh, and that is the sense here. Also, there seem to be two benefits to following laws, that is life uh, and existence, as well as military su success. Uh, both of those come only, Moshe is telling them, if you follow the commandments of the Lord, as he will expand on in further aliyot. Um, on the terminology of God's laws, chukim and mishpatim, well, we generally define chukim as laws that do not have an apparent logic, such as not combining, wearing uh, a combined wool and linen together, and mishpatim we tend to see as common sense laws, such as don't kill, don't steal. However, those definitions don't always work out so smoothly, and, and they tend to be used flexibly, even from section, from section to section, and sometimes even within the same section. So any translation I use, in this case statutes, laws, rules, is merely an approximation. So don't hold me too tight to any specific definition. Of course, the word chok means 
comes from the word lichkok, to chokek, which means to chisel out, the way a law would be chiseled out in stone. And mishpatim probably comes from the idea of a, a court case where a shofet, a judge, serves and laws are in, are enforced. But again, uh, you can't really uh, pin, pin you know, the differences between a chok and a mishpat down too tightly. It really does vary from section to section. In any event, Moshe continues, Don't add on to the word, really, the set of instructions that I, Moshe, commanded you, and don't detract from it, that is, I commanded you as a messenger of God, and don't detract from it in order to keep the Lord your God's commandments as I instructed them. The rabbis understand these this idea as the principle of Baal Tosif and Baal Tigra. Uh, don't add on to God's laws and it don't uh, take away, such as the example would be putting five tzitzit on a five-corner garment or three tzitzit on a three-corner ga- uh, garment, respectively, to add on or to detract, rather than the uh, commanded four corners on a four-corner garment. Uh, the details of the laws of Baal Tosif and Baal Tigra are way beyond the scope of this lesson, but uh, the simple sense of what Moshe is trying to say is that I, I need you people to trust me, uh, Moshe is saying. I need you to understand that I am conveying the laws correctly, and you can't start adding and taking away based on what you think is the right thing uh, to do. This issue will become more apparent in the uh, in the coming aliyot, uh, especially the fourth aliyah, as we will see where Moshe is forced to be intermediary uh, uh, between God and the rest of the Israelite nation. Um, I would like to mention, you know, as we're covering it, the Chizkuni's opinion of the word add and detract here, which that is that they are historical references to the sins of the Miraglim, who wouldn't go to Israel when they were told to, and the Ma'apilim, who went to Israel when they were told not to. And this fits into the historical reference of Baal Pa'or in the next verse, meaning Moshe saying, don't repeat these specific type of sins. Um, the Ibn Ezra, on the other hand, says that all of this has to do with the Baal Pa'or. Uh, that the idea of adding and taking away is that the people didn't think that they were abandoning God and his commandments of Balpur. They were worshipping God. After all, Zimri and Cosby did their ritual deed in front of the Mishkan as if to combine Midianite practices, uh, inappropriate sexual behavior for religious sake, with the overall idea of God at the Mishkan. They syncretized, essentially, another religion's practice with their own. They figured, yeah, we believe in God. We're going to add a little spice here and there based on how we see fit. So Ibn Ezra really sees this as um, as just a prohibition. Don't recreate God and the worship of him and his commandments based on your own sense of what is right and proper. Leave it exactly as God instructed. As opposed to, You yourselves witnessed the Lord's reaction regarding Baal Peor, that anyone that followed Baal Peor, the Lord wiped out from your midst. But you, that is you, the survivors of the second generation, you are the ones who stuck with the Lord your God. You rejected any kind of um, corruption of God's monotheism and God's laws by by getting involved with the whole Balpur uh, 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 incident. That is, you follow the instructions by Moshe to the T without adding on and without uh, deleting anything. You are all alive today. 
so ends Aliyah 1, and we would expect that in Aliyah 2, Moshe would launch into his second speech, starting with the Theophany at Mount Sinai, and then the Ten Commandments, followed by a series of exhortations like Shema Yisrael on why to follow God's laws, and then followed by the actual laws, and that's the structure of the second speech. But instead, Moshe launches into a really continues with this first speech by ending it off with a long epilogue uh, covering a range of topics that uh, we're going to have to, that that really are, are, are short snippets of things that will be taken up later on in the book of Devarim. It's a, a broad range of topics, and we'll have to examine them, God willing, when we do the second Aliyah tomorrow.